This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars analysis. Visit mjmunoz.com fo for notes and links. And don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and comment to help me grow. So, I have a little bit of information for you. Actually, let me back up real quick. This is a fully operational 39. The title of this episode is Odin Great Storm is a Blight on the Jedi. Odin Greatstorm is a character created by Charles Soule, presumably, uh, from the book Light of the Jedi. And the reason I'm saying that he's a blight on the Jedi is because of the moral uh, question that he, or the moral feeling that he has. I don't know how many of you have read Light of the Jedi, but I read it, I liked it. Uh, I, I like some of Charles Soule's work, but I did have some problems with it. So, um, yeah, this... Uh, this is, it's been a while since the book came out, but the whole Gina Carano stuff happened, and uh, there's a lot of crazy things that seem to be going on with Star Wars right now, and I'm kind of pulling back, and I've been uh, not really reading or watching or anything, like I don't even think I'm going to watch Bad Batch, um, and I'm certainly not going to buy any of the new stuff, I'm doing like a semi-boycott, but I have Marvel Unlimited, so I've been going into the old uh, Marvel comics, um, and if you look up MJ Munoz on uh, MeWe, you can see where I've been uh, tagging things as I go through the comics and kind of look at them, the like original Marvel Star Wars comics, the first six issues cover the, uh, cover the movie, and then they go on from there. Um, I'm kind of just like, well, I'm having some fun with those over there, and then eventually I think I'll get into those, uh, but I'll probably watch all the movies first before I jump back into the, the comics, because uh, I still do like Star Wars at its core. I just don't like, uh, you know, what it's uh, turning into. So, anyway, uh, I'm here to examine right now uh, some questions, you know, from Light of the Jedi. Was it moral for Loden to violently coerce the security force of the well-off family in the Hetzel system? Is this how a Jedi should behave? Does this serve the light? Does this define the height of the Jedi? Does it mark the beginning of their downfall? So, some background. Loden Greatstorm and Bell Zedifar's dilemma in the Hetzel system with the crowd wanting access to the wealthy uh, family ship is interesting. Loden violates the NAP, N-A-P, non-aggression principle, and I want to know how is that in line with the will of the Force? Other than the fact that Sol, the author of the book, isn't an ANCAP or an anarcho-capitalist or, um, or anything like that, I'm sorry. Yeah, other than the fact that Soul isn't an ANCAP or that this is all contrived, how does this all work? I think this is a fun philosophical question to discuss, and I will define the non-aggression principle for those of you who don't know. Uh, the non-aggression principle, or the NAP, uh, is the belief that individuals should be free to act as they choose with the exception that they may not initiate force or the threat of force against another person or their property. Like the Golden Rule from the Gospels, the NAP can be a beacon of light to guide each of us through uh, the journey of a lifetime. And that literally means the journey of this lifetime that each of us has and is embarking on just by the simple fact that we are alive. So, uh, there's also a reverse Golden Rule that's recorded in the Talmud of the Gemara, which is, Do not do unto others that which is hateful to you. This is the entire Torah now, and the rest is commentary, now go and study. So, how does this square? Loden and Bell were trying to save the lives of people who were on this planet, on, uh, in the Hetzel system, right? So, whether or not you read the book, I have basically given you the context. There, and, and I'll shed a little more here. There 
are guards guarding an estate. The estate belongs to a wealthy family in the Hetzel system. This wealthy family in the Hetzel system has a ship large enough to carry dozens, let's say 100 people, just for the sake of argument. And let's say there's uh, 80 people outside. There's 80 people outside wanting to get in. The family consists of no more than 10 people, servants, droids, and the uh, the ship can maintain 100, or can, you know, safely courier off the planet before it's destroyed 100 people. There are only 90 people in question in this example, or I'm kind of adding in some extra details. And instead of uh, letting the people, instead of finding another way to help the people, Loden and Bell decide that it is the greater good to threaten with violence and murder the guards who are employed by the wealthy family who has the ship to stop the 80 people outside from getting access to the ship. And that just doesn't seem right to me. Uh, at some point, the guards attack. Uh, there are some raiders, marauders, whatever, who maybe are coming in to violently break through the gates of the estate, which uh, they end up attacking the Jedi. So Bell and uh, Loden have to fight them off. And the guards uh, join in after they have been threatened with death or maiming by these Jedi. They join in with the, uh, with the marauders and they go ahead and attack. So then Bell and Loden fight against them all and the guards after the uh, marauders are defeated the guards allow uh, all the people to get into the property and then assumedly they get onto the ship and they're able to leave the planet and survive so this might seem fine to you it might seem that it's not an issue at all but if you really think about it i well there are moral problems with this in my scenario that i made up there were the ship had a capacity of 100, there were 90 people total who needed the ship, and the coercion uh, led to the saving of 90 people plus, or you know, 80 people who would have otherwise been lost, right? So let's say that, let's change it up just to make it a little more interesting, do a thought experiment. What if there were 200 people who needed access to the ship, and they were outside of the estate of the wealthy family with the ship, and the ship still only had a capacity to hold 100 people. Who, <laughs> who decides who lives and who dies? Who decides what is right and what is wrong? Who decides who gets to ride on the ship and flee to safety? Now, the Jedi ended up, through their broad actions overall, ended up saving the entire Hetzel system and... While there was you know, property damage and things were, that were destroyed by the disaster of the, the Legacy Run's explosion, the planet ended up being safe from destruction. And it was actually the entire planet was going to be destroyed by the sun, uh, by something going into the sun and exploding, and basically it would, it, would, it would end up destroying the planet, which is the, the basic idea of it. And then the Jedi were all able to uh, work together and kind of chain together their force capabilities and save the entire planet, which is super cool. Some people thought it was overdone. I personally liked it, I thought it was really neat, but still, uh, that kind of complicates things in a weird way because, well, does it matter? Uh, like Eoberthon said in the first season of The Flash, like, in my timeline, where I come from, you've been dead for centuries, so I have no problem murdering you. Does the fact that the, does the fact 
that everybody's lives were put in danger and it wasn't just a few people, it was the entire planet, how does that affect the calculus? How does that affect the morality of attacking uh, these guards and violating the property rights of the people who own the ship? Um, what does that change? How does it affect things? Is it still wrong? I guess the question I'm getting towards is, is the morality subjective? If no lives will be saved, is it okay to uh, violate their property rights and ba basically steal their ship from them? If uh, all lives will be saved, does it justify doing that? Um, I don't think so. I, I, I think the principle, the, the first principle is that you don't needlessly destroy lives. And, and another thing is Jedi are supposed to use the force for knowledge and defense, never to attack and destroy. Um, or for self-gain. Well, they're working on the behalf of others to try to save their lives, so it totally justifies them, uh, you know, stealing the ship or whatever. Well, okay, let's, uh, let's tweak the scenario a little more. Let's say the ship still holds 100 people, but there are 100 people outside of the, of the, of the walls. Wow, the wind is a powerful thing. I'm going to walk away from that. See, there are 100... Uh, the ship can still hold 100 people. There are 100 refugees, let's call them, outside. And there are 10 people in the family. Do the Jedi force the refugees into the ship, killing or just violently coercing the guards and prohibiting the family from getting on the ship? Or do the Jedi coerce their way in, get 90 people on the ship, and leave 10 of the refugees outside of the ship or do they uh do they force everybody in and then they only allow uh 90 of the refugees then five of the family and five of the refugees that way it's a fair share you've lost some of your people they've lost some of their people or maybe they leave behind one of the refugees like it's a like a 10 percent thing you know uh, they leave behind, you know, 10 refugees and one person uh, of the... Sh like, you can't just apply some... You can't just apply any random standard and have it work out. There has to be a moral clarity. There has to be a moral line. And I honestly think that... And I, I hope I made enough sense in, in going through this thought experiment that you can see, too, that there's something morally wrong and rotten and crooked with what... Uh, the Jedi did there with what Bell did and more so what Loden did in trying to save those people's lives because a couple things one it's just morally wrong two they didn't end up needing to be saved because the Jedi were able to save everybody through another means there was another way through it and three uh I don't I don't have a three I don't know what my three is but it's it's just I don't know I and I'm not even coming at this with this reeks of agenda or whatever. I, I'm coming at this from a perspective of, you know, what is right and what is wrong and what determines what is right and wrong. And like within the context of Star Wars even, is sometimes could the same action be light side or dark side, depending on when you're doing it, on who's doing it, on why they're doing it? I don't think so. I think things are either right or they're wrong. And I think aggressing against somebody, violating their property rights, whether that's to their body or to their, you know, extraneous property, their property outside of their body that they have ownership over is wrong. And then, like, let's just, let's go ridiculous. <clears throat> what if 
the 100 people outside of the gates, the 100 refugees, were uh, murderers. What if they had escaped from the prison, overrun the guard, they'd killed each, they'd each had to kill one or two people on their way over. So now you've got 200 murderers, or, or 100 murderers who are responsible for the loss of 200 lives on this planet. And they're trying to break in, murder, pillage, and then escape and flee the planet. What then? Would the Jedi have helped them then if they lied and they cleverly concealed who they were? Would that have changed Loden's uh, calculus? I don't think so. I think he still would have done it and then he would have been complicit in, out of the good nature of his heart, violating the property rights of these 10 wealthy people or whatever, this rich family, and having saved 100 murderers who had just destroyed wantonly the lives of 200 other people. So uh, I believe that's, called, that's a reductio uh, absurdio uh, argument where you just go hyperbolic and you make a most ridiculous uh, example to like draw out the point. I, the point is that there is some form of morality that isn't dependent on circumstances. Do you only cheat on your, or do you cheat on your spouse or your significant other if you won't get caught? Because if you don't get caught, they can't be hurt by it, therefore it's not wrong. Or do you not cheat on your spouse because it's not the right thing to do because mor your morality tells you so? Um, do you steal, like the whole, I hate the, uh, the philosophical question. I guess I shouldn't hate it. I guess I should just acknowledge that it existed at one time, that it was at one point useful, and then maybe say, I think this is probably beyond its usefulness now because uh, I don't want to be a, a hater of things really if I can avoid it. But the idea of if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one to hear it, does it make a sound? Yes, it makes a sound. Does anybody hear it? A human doesn't, but animals surely do. And even if animals didn't hear it, the only way humans and animals are able to hear it is because it displaces, uh, you know, sound waves off of the impact of it. And, you know, sound, you, I mean, you can get in all sorts of arguments about it. But yeah, it factually does make a sound. Just because there's nobody there to record it doesn't mean it didn't happen. The same thing with... Uh, with I think a lot of moral principles, just because no one was there to witness a sin or a moral failing on your part doesn't mean that you didn't commit the sin or the moral failing. Or let's take it out of the negative zone and let's put it positive. Uh, if you do a heroic act but no one is there to see it, you know, does it matter? Or if you do a heroic act and your identity is secret, does that mean your act wasn't heroic? No, maybe it's even more heroic. I don't know. Um, Maybe it, it makes it truer, the fact that you can never take credit for it, um, just like it you know, makes it equally valid or, or, or true that the sound is made even though nobody is there to hear it. It's just, it's, it is heroic. It is a sound because of the context that the deed happens in. So I think that, uh, I don't know Charles Soule's uh, political leanings or whatever, but I don't think a lot of people, I think that it is true that a lot of people do not think about the non-aggression principle and hold it as a... Uh, value or uh, moral guide in their lives. They might uh, like passively hold that value, but they don't actively recognize that that is a value that they hold and then carry it through in their personal lives and then carry it through in their philosophy and how they think about things. Let me put it this way. Uh, when you're walking down the street, you typically will not uh, purposely damage someone else's property, punch somebody, push somebody out of the way if they're bothering you or just because you want to. Why? Probably for many reasons, but the fact is 
that you kind of have a very simple, very base human level understanding that it is wrong to do things like that to people, so you don't do them. Why is it wrong to push someone for no reason? Why is it wrong to punch someone for no reason? Because you're violating their property rights. So I'm, and maybe this is a circular argument, but I'm going back to that. Just like, uh, but you don't really think about that as you're going through your day-to-day -day life. But I feel like uh, if you stop, if it's the idea is presented to you and you do think about it, yeah, you don't wanna, you don't want people to hurt you or take your things, steal your things from you. So you don't hurt people and you don't steal their things. And you, don't, you also don't lie and defraud them, just like you wouldn't want people to lie and defraud you. So it's this reciprocity, this golden rule, this do not aggress against others uh, principle that I think is very moral and very righteous. And if everyone were to uh, adhere to that, you could still have a whole uh, gradient rainbow spectrum of human experience and human outcomes and uh, different types of <clears throat> people in the world living different types of lives. But I think it would be a much better situation because if everybody filtered things through, am I going to aggress against this person because of XYZ? Well, they would just ask, am I going to aggress against this person? They would mostly say no. And of course, if it's in self-defense, that's something totally different. You're allowed to do that. But like I pointed out with the Jedi at one point, Bell and Loden were acting in self-defense, but they still, after that incident was over, they still chose to coerce the people, uh, the guards, into letting them into the property, and then they had to coerce the owners of the ship to let them use it. And I just, I feel like that's really wrong. And I'm wondering if that's purposeful. Did Charles Soule plant that in there because he, you know, sees this as something that's going to be part of the Jedi's ultimate downfall and leads to them 200 years later being susceptible to falling into the Clone Wars and all these other things. How could they not participate in the Clone Wars? You know, they, they could have not, okay? And there are different ways, and we could talk about that at some point in the future, but it is true that the Jedi fell into a Sith trap, and it is true that they could have avoided falling into that trap. And I think if they had applied their morals, or if their morals were, you know, different, well, maybe they were all just falling short of applying their morals to the situation. That's why they fell into it, because they strayed from the Jedi way. But I think there's evidence of that straying from the Jedi way already 200 years before uh, the birth of Anakin and you know so on and so forth. So anyway, uh, I just thought that was an interesting topic for discussion. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I'd be willing to do more stuff like this, but we'll see. Uh, like I said, I'm over on MeWe uh, posting stuff in a Star Wars group and just on my timeline there, MJ Munoz. Um, and you can see what I'm doing, I'm trying to have fun with it, especially in the light of all the craziness that's going on right now. But anyway, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to ask that you, uh, you check that out. And uh, I don't know what else except for uh, leave you with peace and blessings. And I ask that you, uh, that you would be well. Thank you.